I've tried really hard to interest agents and editors in my book. I've sent out 50 queries and I've received rejection after rejection. Sound familiar? In the groups for writers that I belong to, I hear stories like this almost every day. I began wondering what lengths an aspiring author would go to in hopes of getting their manuscript published. Would they pitch it 50 times? 100 times? 500? A thousand? What personality trait motivates a writer to have such faith in their project that they would persevere for months or even years in the face of countless rejections? I'm Laura Christensen, host of the Professional Writer Podcast, and today we're going to explore that trait. This episode kicks off my new Business Builders series, during which we're going to focus on specific tools and techniques for planning, launching, and growing our writing-related businesses. My guests and I will talk about startup tools and costs. Yes, we're going to talk money. We're going to talk about how to establish your brand identity, what type of content you must include on your website, and other similar types of topics. We are kicking off the series by talking about the all-important mindset shift that has to happen if you want to grow a successful business. In the coming weeks, we're going to hear from guests such as Alice Kreider, who is going to help us get out of our own way so that we can become leaders instead of sitting on the sidelines. Kirsty Snyder, who's a mindset coach, is going to join us and do just that. She's going to coach us on how to shift into the career writer mindset. Brittany Gardner is going to share tips for doing business intentionally and serving our best client. Be sure to subscribe to the show at bloggingbistro.com and I'll email you information about the latest episode. If you have your phone handy now, you can subscribe by texting the phrase ProWriter, P-R-O-W-R-I-T-E-R, all one word, to the number 44222 and then just follow the prompts. The show is also available on all the major podcasting apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It's also now on iHeartRadio. It's on Stitcher. All you have to do is open the app, key in The Professional Writer, or you can tell your smart speaker, play The Professional Writer podcast. And when the show pops up in your app, be sure to save it to your favorites so that you don't miss an episode. Circling back to the anecdote that I shared at the top of the episode about the writer who pitched their book 50 times, what is the quality that motivates a writer to keep going in the face of adversity? It boils down to one word, grit. To flesh out what grit means and how we can apply this quality to our writing business, I'm going to share what I've been learning from a book titled Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance by Angela Duckworth. Yes, someone actually wrote an entire 368-page book on the topic of grit. Angela Duckworth includes loads of fascinating and engaging interviews, anecdotes, stories, and case studies in her book. The story that intrigued me most was when Angela attended a presentation at her local library that featured Roz Chast. Roz is a cartoonist. She's now 66 years old. And since 1978, she has had more than 800 cartoons published in The New Yorker. Roz shared that at this stage in her career, her rejection rate is about 90%. Did you hear that? 
at this stage in her career. She's 66 years old. She's been at it since 1978. Her rejection rate is now about 90%. And she said that it used to be much, much higher. Well, flabbergasted at what she viewed as an exceptionally high rejection rate and thinking this must be an anomaly, Angela Duckworth, the author of Grit, contacted Bob Mankoff, who was the cartoon editor for The New Yorker for nearly 20 years. He told Angela that most cartoonists live with even more rejection. At The New Yorker, what they call contract cartoonists, those are the ones who have a dramatically better odds of getting published than anyone else, these contract cartoonists collectively submit about 500 cartoons every week. Now, that's not individually, that's collectively. They submit about 500 cartoons every week. But think about this. In any given issue of The New Yorker, there's only room on average for about 17 cartoons. That's a rejection rate of more than 96%. Holy smokes, thought Angela, who would keep going when the odds are that grim? Well, for one, Bob Mankoff himself. Bob's story reveals a lot about dogged perseverance toward a top-level goal. As a child, Bob liked to draw. And instead of attending his local high school in the Bronx, he went to the LaGuardia High School of Music and Art. But once he arrived there, he got a look at what he felt was the competition, and he was so intimidated. He quotes, being exposed to real drawing talent made mine wither. I didn't touch a pen, pencil, or paintbrush for three years after graduating. Instead, Bob enrolled at Syracuse University, where he studied philosophy and psychology. In his senior year of college, he bought a book called Learning to Cartoon by the legendary Sid Hoff. Bob used Hoff's advice to create 27 cartoons. And then here's what he did. He walked from one magazine to another trying to make a sale. And he was, of course, rejected by every single editor he saw. Most of the editors said, hey, Bob, try again. Bring more cartoons back next week. And Bob's like, more? How could anyone do more than 27 cartoons? Well, Bob at that time then received notice that he was eligible to be drafted for combat in Vietnam. He had no great desire to go. In fact, he had a great desire not to go. So he repurposed himself quickly as a graduate student in experimental psychology. Just before earning his doctorate, Bob had the realization that research psychology wasn't his calling. He says, I remember thinking that my defining personality characteristic was something else. I'm the funniest guy you ever met. That's the way I thought of myself. I'm funny. For a while, Bob considered two ways of making humor his career. I said, okay, I'm going to do stand-up or I'm going to be a cartoonist. And he threw himself into both with gusto. All day I would write routines and then at night I would draw cartoons. Eventually, Bob dropped the stand-up comedy, and he devoted his entire energy to cartoons. After two years of submitting, Bob says, all I had to show for it were enough New Yorker rejection slips to wallpaper my bathroom. There were small victories. He sold some cartoons to other magazines. But by that time, Bob's top-level goal had become a whole lot more specific and ambitious. He didn't just want to be funny for a living. He wanted to be among the best cartoonists in the world. 
Bob explains, the New Yorker was to cartooning what the New York Yankees were to baseball, the best team. If you could make that team, you too were one of the best. The piles of rejection slips suggested to Bob that try, try again was not working. He decided to do something different. Now, here's what's really interesting for us writers. He says, I went to the New York Public Library and I looked up all the cartoons back to 1925 that had been printed in the New Yorker. He studied the market. He looked at every single cartoon that had ever been printed in the New Yorker. At first, he thought, well, maybe he didn't draw well enough. In looking through all these cartoons that had been published, he's like, no, that's not the case. I'm, I'm a pretty good artist. Then he thought, well, maybe something's wrong with the length of my captions. Maybe they're too short. Maybe they're too long. No, that wasn't the case either. Then he thought, well, maybe I'm missing the mark with my type of humor. And no, no, again, some of the successful cartoons were whimsical, some were satirical, some were philosophical, and some were just interesting. But the one thing that all the cartoons had in common was they made the reader think. And here was another common thread, and this is really important. Every cartoonist had a personal style that was distinctly their own. Paging through literally every cartoon the New Yorker had ever published, Bob knew that he could do as well or better. I thought, I can do this. I can do this. I had complete confidence. He knew he could draw cartoons that would make people think, and he knew he could develop his own style. And he worked through various styles until eventually he came upon his dot style. After getting rejected from the New Yorker about 2,000 times, yes, you heard that correctly, 2,000 times between 1974 and 1977, so a three-year period, Bob finally had a cartoon accepted. How can we, as owners of writing-related businesses, develop grit, that capacity for long-term passion and perseverance? It begins with interest. Angela Duckworth writes, passion begins with intrinsically enjoying what you do. It's when you're so captivated, you're so fascinated by what you do that you practically shout, I love what I do. Next comes practice. That's the daily discipline of trying to do things better than you did them yesterday. After you've discovered and developed an interest in a particular area, then you need to devote yourself to the sort of focused, full-hearted practice that leads to mastery. You must zero in on your weaknesses, and you must do so over and over again for hours a day, week after month after year. To be gritty is to resist complacency. Whatever it takes, I want to improve. That's the refrain of all paragons of grit, no matter their particular interest, no matter how excellent they already are. Third is purpose. What ripens passion is the conviction that your work matters. And finally, hope. Hope is a rising to the occasion kind of perseverance. It's when we keep going, even when things are difficult, even when we have doubts, even when we get 50 rejections. At various points, in big ways and small, we get knocked down. If we stay down, grit loses. If we get up, grit 
prevails. The great news is that these four qualities of grit, interest, practice, purpose, and hope, are learned habits. You can learn to discover and develop and deepen your interests. You can acquire the habit of discipline. You can cultivate a sense of purpose and meaning. And you can teach yourself to hope. Pete Carroll, who's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks National Football League team, develops grit by focusing on one top-level professional goal. That means paring down what is likely a very long list of mid-level and low-level work-related goals to one goal that is of supreme importance. And then he holds that same top-level goal for a very long time. So you can apply this to yourself as you're seeking to develop grit. Focus on one top-level professional goal. Then hold that same top-level goal for a very long time. It is so interesting and it's so important that it organizes a great deal of your waking activity. Pete Carroll's top-level goal is do things better than they have ever been done before. Do things better than they have ever been done before. That philosophy gives him and his team guidelines and boundaries that keep them on track. Having one top-level goal is like having one internal compass. Instead of attempting to head north, south, east, and west all at the same time, your compass points one direction. And you can then prioritize your mid-level and your low-level goals that serve the same ultimate purpose as your top-level goal. When you set that top-level goal and you employ the four qualities of grit, whether you win or lose a game, whether your book pitch is accepted or rejected 50 or 100 or 1,000 times, you hold steady. You endure. You continue practicing. You do that thing that you love to do better than you have ever done it before. And tomorrow, you do it better than you did yesterday. That's grit. That's the power of passion combined with perseverance. I'd love for you to join the discussion about grit in the Professional Writer Podcast community. That's our private Facebook group for listeners to the podcast. We're here to support and encourage and challenge and learn from each other. You'll find a link to the group in the show notes for this episode at bloggingbistro.com forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show, the first in our new Business Builder series. If you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend. And thanks so much for listening.